Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It is episode number 156 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast right here, beautiful Sherrard, Illinois, 1600 Buckslayer Place right in the Buckatorium. I've said that almost 157 times and I almost forgot where we were. <laughs> I love it. That's the best thing about it. <laughs> All right. We're um, right here in Kurt's crib. I am Steve. There's Kurt. Kurt here as always. Eric is working. We miss that poor fella. He's been gone the last few episodes, but that's just the way it, it's the way it rolls at Working Class Bowhunter. Um We'll get right into it. No one wants to hear sponsorships no. and stuff. We're going to get into the content. But quickly, the podcast is sponsored by HHA Sports. Our buddy Scott Bakken was in Texas, shot at Axis Deer. Yes, sir. Pretty cool. Um, check out HHA, leader in single pin sites. They got the new Virtus 22 drop away rest. Um, we appreciate their support for the show. Also brought to you by Scent Crusher. Scent Crusher, Dan Drake. From Speaking Scent of Axis Deer. Killed an Axis Deer this, year, or this week as well. Um, appreciate all their support. Um, their and product it, is backed by science. Um, the earth is flat and their products work. So two true statements is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so from the ozone go to the, the gear bag, to the closet, to the wash station, all, all the, everything they have is awesome. It really does work. We believe in it. Um, give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, if you're on the fence, a lot of people are on the fence about scent crusher. Give it a shot. Let us know what you think. And hey, if you want to spend money, but uh, you know you're not really sold on people uh, killing axes deer. If you want people to kill black bear, that shoot product, Elite Archery. Two black bears hit the uh, hit the dirt this week. This week as well, Larry McCoy and Ross Bigger uh, for respect, respect the, the game, game. Yes, sir, on Sportsman's Channel. Uh, but Elite Archery sponsors the podcast. Super thankful for that. I'm shooting the tempo this year. Steve is shooting the option six, and Eric has the option seven. Um, we got the variety. The, I don't know if it's just the bows, but my tempo shoots way better than their options. Mm. I think it's more me than, than anything. Um, but you know, my tempo shoots amazing, way more amazing than their options because I just hit the X every time. You know? Okay. We'll, uh, we'll see how that's going. Cause I was shooting pretty, pretty good at the 3d <laughs> shoot. Like 
two weeks ago. I've been out of town for three weeks, and I haven't shot my bow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All joking aside, though, check out Elite Archery. Great bows. It's it's confidence in the bow you shoot, and that's where we find our confidence. So, um, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Don't forget, we've got to get Scott in here for uh, for an episode. Got to strike while the iron's hot. That's right. We'll get him in here. We'll uh, you know review last season and see what happened. Yeah, super thankful for them. Um, you know, we always make the point. This is more for our local listeners. If you're in the area, eastern uh, eastern Iowa, western Illinois, if you can make it within, I would say even a couple hour drive of Smith's, it's it's worth it. If you know you chase after the critters so bad, you put everything into it, and when you get it, you know you eat it. You feed it to your family. You want it done right clean and you want it done by someone that knows what they're doing and cares about the product they put out um, he stands behind what he does and he he can answer almost any question that you have about how things are done or how you know whatever it is he'll help you how to cook it and samples if you're on the fence about trying something he's super helpful um, the whole family is amazing and you couldn't ask for a better uh, deer well, Andrew's, Andrew's okay yeah he's alright uh, right. but Scott man outstanding human being Top notch. Check them out. Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Put it in the Google. It's 2017. <laughs> put it in the Google. Yeah, as you said that in 2017. Yeah, put it in the Google. <laughs> anyway, uh, vet shout out this week. Dark Horse Lodge. Peaceful retreat for combat vets. You want to give them money? Go to darkhorselodge.org. They're going to put it to a great cause. Fantastic story behind why it's going up. But again, you know, find them on social media. DarkhorseLodge.org is a website once again. If you don't want to do that, but you buy stuff on Amazon, go to smile.amazon. Put it into the Amazon, as Kurt would say. Right. Smile.amazon.com. You'll be able to select that charity. It's not going to cost you anything more, and a portion of those proceeds will go to the Dark Horse Lodge. Get into the show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think. Give us a rating on iTunes. We love you. All right, on the phone with us, we have the infamous, most famous, Sean Lucktoll from Heartland Bowhunter and of various uh, other shows that we'll get into. Sean, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good here. Just uh, been working all day, actually, in the office, which uh, isn't my favorite thing to do, but somebody's got to do it, so. <laughs> yeah, hey, it works for the birds, man. I try to do as very little as possible, but, hey, you know. Well, it works out that it's not hunting season now. It's kind of like in a weird lull, I guess. If you wanna, if you wanna say there's a lull, depends on what you're doing. If you have food plots or after turkey season and all that stuff, but uh, at least you get to talk hunting with us. So I thank you for your bravery on coming on our podcast. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to excited to get this thing going. All right. Well, we'll check back in an hour and see how excited you were about this. So <laughs> okay, sounds good. I'll see you guys then. <laughs> So go ahead and tell everyone who you are and what you do, and um, we'll start with that. So uh, we're actually, I'm Sean, like you guys said, with Heartland Bowhunter. We've been doing the show. We're going into our 11th season of filming um, this coming fall. So been doing it for 10 years. Um, Our our new stuff's about to air on the Outdoor Channel, uh, what, next week, actually, We've been on Carbon TV for four years now, so we've gotten that system down pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all bow hunting. Uh, we take pride in not only bow hunting, but uh, filming our hunts and our production work. Um, we we spend a great deal of time in the field just trying to produce the best quality stuff that we can and telling the best story that we possibly can. Travel all over the Midwest um, and out into the western states, and there's... I think there's 10 or 11 of us kind of goes back and forth here and there um, that film for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are Mike and I who, who f- um, own the show and work full time for it. And then we have a, a few guys that work full time as well for us. And then the rest of the guys are part time, but um, you know, they, they work their butts off and help us produce um, all the content that we can between television and digital media. And uh, here we are today. Going into our eleventh season. Well, there you go. You got to have the part-time workers working the hardest. You know, that's gotta- right, man. <laughs> I mean, they really do. They they work extremely hard, um, and pretty much everyone's been with us since the the beginning. So I'd say everyone's doing the right thing, and we got a good system down, and just trying to better ourselves every year. Well, talking about 
the beginning. How did it all start, and where did it all come from? Like, what's the roots of Heartland Bowhunter? So, Mike and I, um, who's actually in Mexico on vacation with his wife. I'll be there uh, next week. So will I. <laughs> I saw you got married last weekend, kind of cutting out here, but I'm getting married yeah. this Saturday. Oh, are you? Yeah. Congratulations, man. It's, uh, Congratulations it's, a, it's well. a cool thing to do now. It's it's fun. Yeah, you guys have fun with that. <laughs> it's in fashion. But, uh, <laughs> are you the, getting married in Mexico? I don't, I'm, I'll get back to what we were talking about in a second, but I'm just interested in what you're saying now. <laughs> no, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting married in, uh, a small town, Illinois, and, uh, going to Riviera Maya, uh, the following week. Are you serious? Yeah. That's where I'm going. Really? Yeah, I'm. Uh, my wife actually just told me that today because she's the one that booked it a while ago, and I just knew we were going to Cancun or whatever. And then she's like, "Yeah, we're going to Riviera Maya, and we're staying at." Oh, she just told me this too. Um, gosh, I'm I'm probably wrong, but I thought she said like Sapphire or something like that. I don't remember where you're. I'm in the same exact boat because my old lady booked mine too, and I don't know any details. <laughs> um, but I'll find out after the podcast, and I'll text you when I know for sure, because that would be too yeah. funny if we were at like the same resort. What if you guys were like rooms right next to each other? And that would be pretty podcast. F- I'd feel bad for him, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honeymoon. Yeah, I forgot about that. I'm excited. I'm going. I'm actually going for a wedding, but it's like our mini um, honeymoon as well. So I don't. I literally don't know a person other than my wife going. So I'm up for meeting anybody. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I will text you after. I'll find out the details and we'll get because that'd be sure. too funny. We we do a podcast in Mexico. My old yeah. love that. Oh, that <laughs> would be funny. I'm sure mine would too. <laughs> Good honeymoon, but, honey. But I got to do a podcast on the beach. Heartland Bowhunter duty calls. Hey, you know? that's right. We'll have to do it over a couple beers. <laughs> <laughs> so back anyway. back to how Heartland Bowhunter started. That's too funny, though. Yeah, that is. Um, so. Mike is in Mexico, but anyways, uh, Mike and I went to middle school together, um, and then high school together, and he played football, and I played sports up until high school, and I don't know, our, our school was so competitive and so big that I'm just a little guy, I was like, man, I don't need to do that, I'm not going to make it far with it, so I took up hunting more, um, because my dad had introduced me that to that at a young age, and so... I was bow hunting like crazy. Um, so obviously we had uh, similarities with that because Mike was already hunting as well. And um, as soon as he quit playing football, we would we would hunt together. And um, eventually we just picked up a camera. And going into college, we were starting to film our stuff um, just a little bit, just messing around. And we, we started to get a little more serious as we went into freshman year and mm-hmm. started a business not long after that. And um, – it was just an online deal, and then we, we graduated or went towards TV, and um, from there, we worked our way up um, to the Outdoor Channel, I think, five years ago, and so we've been on that network since then, and then Carbon TV came in to the picture the next year and uh, started producing content there, and that's kind of the short version of it. We actually started making a tree arm, I forgot to mention, um, and since we were we were using that, trying to sell it. Um, my dad had a machine shop. They were manufacturing it. We were just trying to sell it. Um, we wanted to come out with quality footage to show what the arm could actually do. And so that was the reason that we started to market, um, what we were doing was because of the tree arm. And that kind of pushed the idea of the, uh, television show. Interesting. That's cool. That's the American dream. Hey, if you got an idea and something doesn't work out, something else could come off of it. But, uh, you know, Heartland Bowhunter is one of those shows that everybody knows. We've talked about you guys on this countless times. You know, anytime we talk about how a hunting, in, in my personal opinion, how a hunting show should be filmed, it's you guys. It, the You know, obviously you guys are using different equipment than everyone else. The B-roll is fantastic. You know, how much research did you guys throw into this? I mean, did you do any schooling you know for for videography uh um, how did so this my, happen yeah mike and i were both entrepreneurship majors um and we neither one of us have any education um on paper from any sort of film school or anything like that so yeah we were self-taught in that aspect and it was just kind of a passion that we we took up when um we started filming 
hunting stuff. And one of our friends at the time, which is, he's still a friend. Um, we just have different interests. He was into skateboard films and stuff like that. And I'd seen the stuff that he, uh, was putting out there on, on Facebook actually. And I just noticed he had a different eye, um, than anyone else. And his production side of things, as far as post production goes, um, was completely different. And so we collaborated actually. And that was kind of what gave us a facelift after our second or third year. And, um, Trevor, who is who I'm talking about, he uh, he worked with us until I think our eighth season. But he is not a hunter uh, whatsoever, and so he went into feature films, and uh, he's been making a feature film since then. And wow. so we're, we're still good friends, but you know we we kept rolling with what we were doing, and uh, that's where it went. So yeah, and, and see that's interesting that you, that you bring that up, you know, because uh, you know when I'm watching hunting shows, I do like that. You know, you can kind of get that there might be an outside influence uh, a couple of buddy buddies of ours uh chip city who's a producer and jordan johnson who produces for whisperwood outdoors those uh-huh. guys what's funny is both those guys are into skateboarding too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know growing up i loved skate videos too and i just i i bringing something like that into the hunting industry it's really refreshing to see things like that and i I'm, i think that's why i was drawn to what you guys do so that's that's interesting to know. Um, I enjoy things like that. I don't know if anyone else likes their tradi- traditional, just sitting in the truck, some corny B-roll or some deer or whatever, but you guys do it good. I don't know if anyone else is into it like I am. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we, uh, we just wanted to put something out there that was different. And actually, when we came into the, the, uh, the industry, I feel like there was – there wasn't anything out there like that, and there wasn't a focus on quality production, really, or storytelling, and mm-hmm. that was really just our, our niche, and if that wasn't there, we wouldn't be here today. I mean, if someone else had picked up on that before us, then I don't think we would uh, we would be anywhere close to as success- successful as we have been. For sure. Well, a quick question I was wondering, too, is, you know, you guys have been doing this for a long time now. It doesn't seem like that long, but it's like nowadays you look back, like 10 years goes by so quickly, so it's like... I mean, I feel like the po- we're getting into almost what are we going in year three of our podcast. Next thing I know, we'll be on year ten and still doing talking about the same stuff. Yeah, we're, but, we're, we're, um, we're third year <laughs> apprentices in this. <laughs> but uh, this, did you notice like a line, like a hard line in your popularity or the growth of the show to where it's like, did you film for? I, I'm just curious. Did you go for a couple of years, then all of a sudden you'd be somewhere and someone's like, "Hey, you're Sean from Heartland Bowhunter," or, or did that ever happen? Or did, did yeah, yeah, like. Um, I want, I mean, once like our fifth or sixth season rolled around, um, and once we made the move to the outdoor channel and, um, started our stuff up with carbon TV, it, uh, it, it blew up. Um, and you could, I think the best way to actually, um, I don't know, measure that was through social media. Like our social media avenues just blew up. I mean, we were getting like thousands of fo- like a thousand followers a week at one point. And Crazy. yeah. And, um, you'd start to go around and people would notice you and stuff like that. And it's not that often here. I, we live in Kansas city, so it's, it's a fairly decent sized town. Um, but I mean, just yesterday I was talking to a guy, um, that's, uh, a family friend, uh, through my wife actually. And he's not a hunter whatsoever, but he was, he was telling me how he was talking to his brother-in-law about what we do. And he's like, Oh my gosh, you know him? Like, you've got to be kidding me. Is he like, is he, what's he like in person? Is he like that on, or is he like what he's, you know, is he the same in person as he is on television? And I'm like, what? (laughs) It's just funny to like, when, when you are talking to someone, you don't expect anything like that to happen. And people kind of freak out here and there. So that, and and I consider myself to be a 100% normal person. I don't feel like I have a celebrity status around here or anything like that. But when it does actually happen, it's, it's kind of cool to see, but also a little different as well. Right. <laughs> I've, I've it makes you feel good. I, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to put myself over or anything, but I've had that happen a couple times where, I, like, I've been, but in a different way. I'll be talking to someone because we do it, it uh, the podcast here in Sherrard, Illinois, small town. You know, I'll be talking to someone and they'll, you know, say something about, you know, hunting or whatever, and you know, they'll just things will get brought up. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I do a, I do a boning podcast. You know, I'll say it. And they go, yeah, I know. I've listened to every episode. <laughs> oh, they're like, yeah, I know exactly who you are. I'm like, okay, but it, it's very polite, you know. They're not like, 
ogling over you. So it's well, we signed our first uh, hat this week. That I've never been asked to sign anything before. I'm like, why do you want me to sign a perfectly good hat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like I'm gonna yeah. ruin it. But uh, yeah, it is cool. So uh, moving on, let's talk about uh, Full Strut and Carbon TV. Um, absolutely love Carbon TV, and I just want to say, hey, Carbon TV, you need a podcast. I'm just saying, you got to get in the podcast hey. game. Just give me a call. Um, how did Full Strut <laughs> and Behind the Draw come to be on on Carbon TV? So um, we had, we pride ourselves in, in turkey hunting. I mean, we love it just because that's kind of that's how we grew up. We all turkey hunted around here, um, and we were producing some turkey stuff for TV, but we obviously thought that whitetail was going to be a little bit better than that. So mm-hmm. we were able to produce 13 episodes of whitetail content or mule deer, stuff like that, big game. Um, and so we had all this turkey content that we were still filming um, just as often and as much content as we would for, for whitetail, and we didn't really have anywhere to go with it. And Carbon TV approached us about what they had going on um, and – you know, we partnered on it and we came up with full strut and then behind the draw kind of stemmed off of that because we still had a little bit of extra content from our fall stuff. So we wanted to uh, produce another original series uh, for carbon TV for um, whitetail and big game, big game hunting. Cool. Is that when you add something like that to your workload, is that kind of overwhelming? Um, no, because behind the draw is uh, is stuff that was already has already been shot. Um, it, it's not shot necessarily specific for behind the draw or necessarily Heartland Bow Hunter. It's I mean we're just out there producing as much possible content uh, as we can every fall, regardless of if it's just going to be for television or digital media. Um, we're just out there getting as much as we possibly can. Uh, same with. Same with um, the turkey stuff, just because even if we weren't doing carbon carbon TV, we would probably have our own um, digital avenue that we'd come up with because we we enjoy producing the content. So, you know, if we're out there hunting anymore, it's like we might as well film it. I mean, I, we went hunting in Texas, Mike and I, was it, uh, two or three weeks ago for Axis deer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never done that before, and we didn't film it. And that was the first time I'd done that in, man, had to be six, seven years. And it was, it was refreshing for sure. But then once you're done, you're like, oh, man, I can't even go back and watch any of that. So, I mean, I, I enjoy both sides of it. But for the most part, I would rather be out there producing just because it's it's our job and it is still our passion. So Yeah. Right. I, you right. know, I, I want to ask a question because I've seen it a lot recently. Uh, a lot of people have been uh, hunting Axis deer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, maybe I don't I, I, I don't know if it was just like, a, you know, maybe we just happen to be friends with some people who did. But what's the what's the draw that uh, is this their season or, you know, it's only. Yeah, I had. Yeah, I had absolutely uh, no idea what I was getting into. Um Ben O'Brien from Yeti had invited Mike and I down for just a few days. He's like, we'll go hunt Axis deer and hogs and stuff. And we're like, okay, yeah, it'll be fun just to go hang out, whatever. I mean, you know, we don't, I'm, we weren't taking it seriously or anything like that. And, um, we're on our way down there and I'm like, man, I don't know about this Axis deer thing. I don't, I've never, never done it before. And I, I've actually kind of stereotyped it. Um, just thinking it was high fence stuff. And I'm like, if this is high fence, I probably won't do it. And, we get there and it was not high fence. It was on, uh, Mike Stroff's ranch actually. And, uh, so we go out there the first day and they put us in a tree stand and they're like, these axis deer are rutting. So, you know, they may just come cruising by roaring. I'm like, what? What do you mean roaring? And so we're sitting in this tree, Mike and I, the first, first morning and you can just hear them all over the place roaring and we never saw any, so we're like, all right, I'm not going to sit in a tree stand, you know, for hours on end. I don't have the patience for it right now just because it's summertime, it's hot. Like, let's just try and spot and stalk these things. And they're like, yeah, you can try that. So that's what we did for the next two days, and it was an absolute blast. They were everywhere, and it was like mini elk running around, rutting. 
and like you you get into a herd of like 20 of them and you're going after the like the herd buck i guess you'd call it and uh you'd blow stalks left and right but i mean you could walk another 200 yards and come up on another group of them and it, it was so much fun and then on top of that uh mike and i both missed um but we got we were able to eat another guy's axis deer that had killed one in camp and uh the meat is phenomenal really yeah it's super good like everyone down there is claiming that it's better than elk deer and moose and stuff um i'm not gonna say that yet but i i I would say it's definitely better than deer um with the one that we ate it was it was really really good so i will definitely do it again and then ben actually went to um hawaii just this past week with joe rogan and they were hunting on an island these after for these axis deer these free range axis deer running around and they killed some and they just like packed them off the mountain took them down to the beach and and cooked them on a grill yeah like, john dudley shot one no way yeah yeah john was there uh-huh. too yeah yep i saw that they did a podcast on that hunt and i was going to listen today at work but i didn't but it's funny that you mentioned those axis deer because our buddy dan drake from scent crusher shot one this week and our good buddies. yeah i know dan do you and, and do you know scott bakken from hha uh, I probably do. I just can't put a name to the face right now. He shot one. I don't know. The picture went up today. I knew uh, a couple of weeks ago he called me like, hey, I'm going to Texas to hunt an axis deer. And I'm like, oh, good luck. And uh, he shot one today or within the last few days for sure. Yeah, it was something that like I completely, I thought was just, you know, dumb to be honest. With you. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, you know, I don't, I have no idea what those things are. They're like an exotic animal. I have no desire to hunt them. And I went and did it and I had an absolute blast and I was, I proved myself wrong. It was, it was so much fun. I would highly recommend it. Well, I, I get what you're saying too. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to Texas to hunt access deer. People think like, Oh, you're on a game ranch, like a ga- right. game ranch as in like they associate it. It still kind of is a game ranch, but they associate it with, like you said, high fence. Yeah, it, and I, I see that because I would say like the most of the state, it seemed like, or at least the area that we were in, we were in West Texas, that like you go around anywhere and you could be driving and there's like an oryx. You're like, what is, I was like, I'm completely foreign to any of that stuff. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> what is it? And then they're like, oh, there's a black buck. I'm like, well, that's not native. <laughs> like, what are we in but, Africa? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought you said the Lorax. I was like, dude, what were you taking down there? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was so it was so strange, but I've never been exposed to that stuff. So it was really cool, I think, because and that's what I kept saying. I was like, man, this is like it's almost like being in Africa. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, so. would, I would really I'd really like to try a hunt like that. I think it'd be I mean, if Texas isn't that far, you go do that. And then you get that awesome meat. Like you're saying, it'd just be a, a cool experience. Yeah, I uh, I would really recommend it. I, I shot a couple hogs, which I'd never done before, too. Um, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, have you eaten them yet? Uh, I wasn't able to eat mine because I flew out the next morning. So. Oh, dang. Yeah. Um, so one question I have, talking about like filming everything and, and making the shows and all that, um, with the loyal fan base that you guys have grown, does it make producing things easier or do you feel like more pressure because you kind of have like a fan base to try and impress or hold up to what you've done in the past? Yeah, there is a sense of pressure for sure. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be lying if there wasn't it's, and that's, that's one of the the things about what we do that I, I kind of dislike. Um, but I understand that it's the nature of our business and that's what we're there to do is to produce. Um, but I don't like, I don't like the pressure put on us um to kill because mm-hmm. i don't i don't feel like that's the real reason that i should be out there um it's just a kill because it, it really isn't it's there to enjoy um the entire experience not just kill but unfortunately that's what that's also something that people want to see at the end of our episodes is us killing something um and so there is a sense of pressure for sure um but it is what it is and you know i haven't I haven't found another way to kind of work my way around it to where I'd be like, oh, well, I, you know, I don't necessarily have to kill. But, I mean, that's really, when it comes to the end of the day, that's what people want to see. And <laughs> Is that something that gets brought up in discussion with you guys? I imagine it does. Like, hey, man, we really need to make a kill here to close up a show. Or do you guys just kind of say whatever happens, happens? Yeah. Um, 
we always know. I mean, in the back of your mind, you're, you're like, you know, it could be the second to last day or the very last day. And you're like, if I don't shoot something here, I don't know what we're going to do with this content. Um, is it going to be used? And some of it, we, you know, we're there and shooting photography all the time. So it's never a full waste or anything like that. But, you know, picture perfect hunt would be you go hunt for a few days, you capture your story, you get to experience the ups and the downs of the hunt, and then you end up killing something. Um, but yeah, there's definitely times where we're, we're, we, we feel pressure and we talk about it. Um, and it's just the way it goes. And, and I think the more experience that we have and the more years that we continue to do this, um, you take less pressure off because, you know, you're doing as much as you can while you're out there. That's pretty much all you can do is try your hardest and do the best job you can. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's never a guarantee. You know, and you could just run those episodes and have like a classic buck footage. You're like, well, hey, we didn't kill anything this episode, but check this hunt out. And, you know, there's the kill. So it's send the the crowd home happy. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) And we we have shown that a couple times um, for sure because it does happen. Um, Well, if anything, you know, if you show – I think if hunting shows put out more shows with no kills and more of like – the struggle of the hunt, mm. I think really that's just going to make for better hunters and it's going to make kids or um, new hunters have a better expectation of what it actually is like rather than watching a show where every time they go out and kill something within the first day of the hunt, as it seems sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, every year we're, we go on at least one hunt um, where we don't get something. So, I mean, we try to show as much of that as we can, but try not to show too much, I guess. Right, right. Um, is it tough to decide, like, I don't know how you guys film your stuff, What, but which content goes to which show when you're filming? Um, No. It's just, we actually, we just go out there and we produce all fall long as much as we can and capture as much of the story as we possibly can. And then at the end of the year, um, or in the wintertime, uh, we, we just gather everyone's content and we, um, we basically divide it out where we're going to put it and where we want to show it. Yeah. yeah. Is it, you guys just seem like you have, you've been doing this for long enough with you guys. I mean, this is how I feel that your vibe is coming off that you guys are kind of comfortable in what you do and, and you know how it needs to get done and you have a good system. And I, I'm getting the feeling that you're very organized and you guys are, you guys are real professionals at this. So these questions might seem kind of uh, yeah. super amateur. You've probably been asked them before, but it's just super interesting to hear. No, no, no. They're, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think they're amateur at all. I mean, uh, people want to know what's going on, how we how we do things, and and it's it's been something that we've been doing for a while, so we've got a good system down. But yeah, in the beginning, it was it was it was a struggle. I'd say like our first few years just with having enough stuff. And at the end of the year, we're like, Oh, we should have done this. We should have done that. We should have captured this. There's a missing spot here. Like there's actually not even really much of a story here, but we don't have anything else to show. So we have to show this. And so it's been a good trial and error run. Um, and by no means are we perfect. We still run into that today, you know, where we might miss something as far as, um, a moment that happened and it would have really added, well to that story and it's just not there so So, yeah um you know uh, did you guys ever change your your tactics you know now obviously you got three shows you got to put content to Mm -hmm. um one of your big things is is dome management you know on the on the um uh now i'm spacing on the the name i'm looking right at it here um you guys went on on just a doe fest and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you guys said that, hey, you guys only shoot them December, January. You know, that comes from your your management program. Has mm-hmm. that changed a lot since you guys started the TV show? Or is that – have you guys yeah. learned other things? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, because early on, we'd get out there and it was opening day and we didn't – I don't know. I think I feel like, well, I know for sure that trail camera technology has definitely evolved since then. And we, we use quite a few more trail cameras, whereas early on we didn't have very many at all. And so we didn't necessarily have bucks patterned that well. Um, we might have one or so, 
semi pattern by scouting him or like the one or two trail cameras that we had. And so when we'd go out to the beginning of the year and we're like, man, screw it. Let's shoot some does. This will be fun. And we, we still might do that here and there, but we were more prone to doing it then. Um, so now I feel like we have a better shot early season um, to, to patterning a buck and uh, and killing him. Or sometimes we've even found that we, we kind of know where a lot of these deer's core areas are at and we'll get in on them in October or just wait for the right right weather pattern in October and uh, try and kill them then. And so kind of put doe management on the, the back burner and uh, go after them later on and later in the season. So uh, yeah, changing gears here, you know, we'll just keep changing gears. We bounce back and forth, so we're gonna we'll have you all over the place. Yeah, so. that's a, that's <laughs> what we're good at. Uh, you, you mentioned you just got uh, got married. Uh huh. Um, so how does it feel knowing that now your hunting career is over? You know, you're never gonna have any free weekends or anything. What? How does that feel? It uh, it kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life other than. Just chores and stuff around the house for for the wife. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> no, it 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 actually has changed though, and not not because of necessarily her request or anything like that. But man, like the first seven eight years of of doing this, there was there was pretty much zero attachment to being at home. I was kind of kind of a gypsy, just running around, going wherever I wanted to go and do what I wanted to do and not that she tells me what I can or can't do um because it is my job and I do I still travel a lot actually more than probably ever but there's uh definitely a sense of wanting to be at home just because you appreciate your time at home because I'm very rarely here anymore right well yeah you're in that situation too Kurt yeah I try my I travel for work for my day job and uh-huh I was in California until last Friday, so we pretty much had one week to finish up, like for the wedding, like just the last finish. She's done basically everything on the road, obviously. <laughs> so yeah. uh, she was real pleased. I'm like, hey, I got uh, we're recording a couple of podcasts tonight, and I'm like, I got du- a double podcast night, and then because uh, what I do is when when I travel for work, it's during the summer and and early fall, so we'll record podcasts in advance because it's, you know we can't do them if I'm not yeah. here, um, right. So we gotta we gotta prepare a little bit, but it's uh, one of those things is traveling's gonna have to start slowing down in the next couple of years, and when kids come and whatever else. So yeah, yeah, I hear that, man. It's it's everyone always told me about it too. Like they're like, oh, this will change. You'll you'll really start to miss home or want to be at home and spend more time at home. And I was like, yeah, right. That's never gonna happen. And. <laughs> It's definitely starting to happen. It's, I mean, you just, you fill your life with as much stuff as you can possibly pack into it. And then, I don't know, once you get super busy, you're like, okay, I kind of just want to chill out and spend some time at home. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm, dude, I miss home every single day. And I only work like three miles from my house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm always missing being at the house, you know? <laughs> yep. For sure. Well, it's just like traveling for work. And I mean, it's different. I always picture like, okay, I've been, I was out in California in Southern Arizona and I was like, if I was out here for a hunting trip, would I feel any different? And I'm like, oh yeah, I absolutely would. You know what I mean? It's just a different vibe, but, uh, it's just different, but it's, it's fun. You get to see a lot and, uh, meet a lot of people. That is true. Yeah. I've been to a lot of places as well and met tons of people and I wouldn't trade any of it. That's for sure. So, Sean, I got one question I've been wondering about, talking about just your guys' experience in the industry and stuff. If you had to pick maybe one or two things, what's your most favorite thing, like, currently about the industry or doing what you guys do, besides the, the besides the hunt or the or the kill of the animal? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say uh, all of the, the, the work we put in um, – in Missouri on, on the stuff that we're hunting, um, between my, my family's farm, um, some land that we lease and then a farm that I just purchased. Um, I really get a huge sense of pride of of just working my butt off, just trying to better the habitat and the, the all around management of the herd of deer and just seeing it all pay off. It's just, I think that's the most 
rewarding thing that I get to do. Um, and I know that's not necessarily industry related, but as far as my job, I, that's, that's what I probably enjoy the most. Right. Well, I mean, I kind of, you know, the managing property sort of isn't right in line. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you mentioned what you do. So, yeah, I mean, I mean the food plots, it's always still a trial and error process. I mean, we've, we've definitely gotten better at it, but I mean, we, you can't control the weather, so you run into drought or too much rain, flooding, and so you gotta replant or do whatever, and or plant something else, and it's uh, it's a never-ending process. Well, if you listen to Infowars, uh, yes, we can control the weather. The government can, but that's off topic. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, we're we're gonna change gears here again. You know, you mentioned the industry and something that we always talk about is carbon tv we rant and rave we just love the product what it's such a hot ticket hot ticket item right now what 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 are we going to be able to expect here in the future we got to know our listeners need to know because we love it we want to know what we're going to be seeing yeah so um carbon tv is definitely where it's at nowadays like it's crazy how fast it's changed in the past five to 10 years, you know, from going from TV to more digital content and it's going to continue to go that way. And just new, it seems like new shows are popping up on carbon TV left and right, not just hunting shows. Um, there's lots of stuff on there and just to know that you can pull it up pretty much on demand through any app or device that you have is it's remarkable. I mean, it still blows my mind that you can do that. Um, just, you can be, riding down the road in the passenger seat watching carbon tv through a tablet or something and that that's just that's mind-boggling to me whereas you don't have to you know you're not at, you don't have to be at home or anywhere um specific hooked up to a cable box or something like that so mm-hmm. i don't we don't have any as far as content goes um our new content we're not sure yet um we're gonna we're still working towards doing something new um i would love to do something on the um uh, deer management side, um, our all around process, because it is a never ending process. It's year round, uh, with carbon TV. And we've, we've talked about it. We just, uh, we just need to concept it out a little bit better and come to terms with them on something. And hopefully we can make that happen. So yeah, I think that would be a, a cool deal. Something where it's, uh, like, like, uh, Bill Winky with Midwest whitetails does Except, yeah. like it's live. So, you know, you're tuning in, October 2017, the week of, you know, you guys are in the Midwest. This is what you're doing, you know, kind of a, kind of like a do it at home. Yeah. Or maybe even or, a, or even a, even a video of maybe Sean, this is kind of what you were saying. I don't, I don't know, but like no, no kills or no, like, okay, we're on this hunt, but just tactics and whitetail patterns and, um, more like, I guess you call it like the biology side of it to where like what they do, how these animals do this, the ways they set up on them. And all that, and maybe no hunting, just um, like evaluation. In a yeah, way. absolutely. And I mean, I'm not a biologist, but I, I agree with that. Like we're we're always learning new stuff um, about deer, and we uh, we have a basically a mutual partnership, um, our verbal partnership, I guess you would say, uh, with uh, QDMA. And so, love we spent a Their few. Websites we, awesome. Yeah, we spent some time with some of their biologists, and we've learned a lot from them. And um, we collaborated just last month on uh, a deer stewardship course up at our farm. And I think there were, I don't know, 50, 60 people there for that. And, yeah, I mean, if nobody was filming anything. But if, if we were there doing something of that nature with biologists or whatever, it would be it would be a total blast because I, I'm always extremely interested in that stuff and, I mean, you can never learn too much, and by no means do I know everything, and I'd love to get closer to the fact that I could learn just that much more each year about whitetails. So. For sure, for sure. Um, I think now, if you're okay with it, we hit you with a few listener questions that we had. For sure, yeah. Um, we, I think we made this post the day before the podcast, and uh, so did Heartland Bowhunter and Carbon TV, so I thank you guys for that. Yeah, your, um, your biggest fans wanted to know personal things so we're gonna get to that <laughs> um caleb pounds asked what plots do you plant and when so 
Um, we've pretty much planted all types of grain before, um, and we are not as good. We found that we're not as good as the farmer. So <laughs> that being said, we don't plant um, very much grain anymore. Um, at the end of each harvest season, we actually just pay the farmer to leave standing grain, so corn or beans in uh, specific places that I'll typically flag off for him whenever he's out there combining um, which takes care of our, our grain plots for us, and they have very high yields, so that's that's perfect for us. Um, as far as our green plots go and our staging plots and all that, uh, I'm still experimenting, um, but for the most part, we've done clover and, bra- and then brassicas, um, so separate plots, um, and clover's been tremendous. It's been phenomenal. Um, anytime that you get a warm day. It seems like during during the rut or late season, they're going to be hammering the greens, so they're going to be going to clover or um, or your brassica blends. But clover would probably be one of my favorites so far. Um, and brassicas, they're they're great as well. Just clover seems to put on a ton of tonnage, and then you know it grows back even if they're if it it has a lot of browsing pressure. So for sure. Uh, those work well. Um, and then this year, I actually I planted alfalfa, and tomorrow I'm actually going to go spray it, spray the weeds. I planted it a couple months ago. Um, so that's still a work in process. I'm not by any means uh, an alfalfa farmer. I'm just I'm trying it out, and uh, hopefully I'm going to learn something there. So those are typically the uh, the three that we plant. Um, I, haven't, I haven't done too much more uh, that I can think of top of my head. Yeah, I've uh, to add to what you were saying about clover. I mean, I'm no farmer by any means, nor do I do I have do I have the equipment. Um, most you got of, a farmer's tan, though. I do have a yeah. farmer's tan, <laughs> <laughs> so it makes me halfway a farmer. Thanks. Step in the right direction, man. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> it's all about confidence. It's right. I got the confidence of a farmer's tan. So I'll actually I, most of the food plots I've done have all been with like hand rakes and shovels and uh, hand spreaders. Um, get a 50 pound bag of clover and sometimes not even tearing up the dirt at all and throwing it. And I've had good luck with that. Mow it short and yeah. throw out some clover. Putting Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I would say the number one easiest plot to probably plant would be clover because you can get it to grow pretty much anywhere. And if you, I mean, really the maintenance is pretty low key. You just, just keep mowing it and it'll, it'll, weed out everything else and just drown it out to where it's it's mainly clover and like you said it doesn't take much just mow it rake it up and rake up the area and plant it and it'll germinate that and almost everything eats it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, for sure um so this question is kind of funny uh mark rife not the question is not funny the submitter mark rife is uh he's actually part of our show he's like the one of our fill-ins like the tag along he's uh Actually, in our opinion, one of the best taxidermists in the state of Illinois. Um, but he put in a question. Um, he said, what do they feel takes their filming to another level over other shows? Um, I don't want to say that we're better because I don't necessarily think that we're the best. No, go ahead uh, and say it. No, I'm not <laughs> You're in good company. Because I, I, really, I really don't. Like, I, I look out there. I, I, don't get to, I don't get a chance to watch much. TV anymore or competing shows just because it's kind of the last thing I really want to do in my free time because I'm surrounded by it all the time. Yeah, but yeah it's when I, do, yeah, yeah, when I do watch it, um, <laughs> which is typically in a hunting camp or something like that, I mean, there are a ton of shows that are right up there with us, if not better. But if I had to say the one thing that might set us apart still to this day, I think that's our storytelling, just making sure we capture the right moments and show them um, through our post-production. So, you know, it may not necessarily be film tactics, more or less just getting the, the right content. For sure. That's a very humble and, and good answer. So I, I expected that. I mean, I don't, you know, no one ever thinks they're better. If you're toward your guys' level, you can't think that because you wouldn't be where you're at if you did. Well, Conor McGregor's the top guy, and he thinks he's pretty good. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, That's exactly right. He, <laughs> he, he knows he's the best. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, you got to have that. Sean's not also beating people up in the industry. I mean, maybe he is behind the scenes. I don't know what he does. Yeah, you gonna, no. you got to make 124 mil to go box an old dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I guess I'd take that kind of money too to get beat up. Oh, I'd take that fight well, in a heartbeat. Well, since we're on that, who who do you have, McGregor or Mayweather? McGregor for sure. Oh, that boy. <laughs> I am hope, I'm hoping for him, but I don't know if it's going <laughs> to happen. Yeah, I don't know either. I I've been following it quite a bit, and gosh, the some of the I I, I follow Conor McGregor because the stuff that he he says he posts. Um, I I think it's pretty funny just how arrogant he actually is. He's got a mural painted like behind him in his gym of him punching out Floyd Mayweather. That was unbelievable. Did you see that? <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen that yet. You know what's on Sean's wall? It's like Heartland Bowhunter like crushing insert your favorite tele- hunting television show here. That's a mural on his wall. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be absolutely incredible if that was true. But <laughs> Crushing the crush. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they, they do have a really good show. I watch their stuff, and their producers from Sub Seven are man, mm-hmm. they're they're super talented. How many awkward situations can we put you in in one podcast? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Well, we only, <laughs> we only have what is it, fourteen minutes left? So he's counting down. Oh no, he's not. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I my phone's on my computer, and it shows we've been on here for forty six minutes. So. Yeah, right. He told he told his wife, he's like, I'll be an hour. She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Gene Miller, one of our other good buddies, asks, um, great supporter of the show, too. I think he's listened to every single podcast, and he gives feedback, comments, likes, and shares on every single episode. <sighs> I don't know why. Can't appreciate it more, Gene. Um, how much wind shifts, barometric pressure, and moon phases do you guys follow on your oh, hunts, the- and does it play into your tactics? Yeah. Absolutely, it does. Um, I'm a firm believer in barometric pressure and uh, weather changes, your north wind, um, your your cold fronts, and everything. I I've, I learned it right from Mark Drury, just following his stuff and seeing how he his hunting tactics, um, and basically just your your high pressure system following a cold front during shoot any time of the year, really, uh, not just not just the rut, but I mean. It, it seems like deer movements at its at its highest any time from September to to uh, January or December, and I don't I don't as far as moon phases go, um, I have noticed uh, the rising moon later on in the afternoon. Typically, seems to be really really good, but I don't follow that as much as most people probably do. But yeah, yeah, the north wind, high pressure. On the uh, the cold front, that seems to be where it's at, from what I've noticed. All right, yeah, I expected that answer, but I was just curious about the moon phase thing too, because I feel like I'm in the same boat with the moon phase situation, and uh, that's one thing I plan. Hopefully, this summer or before fall, that we can get more educated here on the podcast about. And um, I have contacts with some of the guys that have written some of those moon phase books mm. or write about moon hunting the moon phases and. I plan on diving headfirst into that and kind of hearing how that all is and the theories behind it. Because I know Gene is super passionate about what the moon's doing. Mm-hmm. And he'll text us before we go on hunts and stuff like, oh, yeah, good moon, bad moon, this or that. And I just, I kind of love you, Gene, but I just kind of go off the wind and pressure and, uh, you know what I mean? The, the, the things you have to pay attention to um, as far I guess maybe you have to pay attention to the moon. I don't know. but No, I don't. It, it's, it, I, again, InfoWars, the moon is just the largest uh, U.S. military base out there. Stop. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know how it controls deer movement, but. I'm going to have to check out this InfoWars because oh, God, don't. that's twice now. That, <laughs> yeah. Don't really. We don't believe anything we actually say when Steve opens his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, next question. Moving, let's get this moving along. All right. Um, Jordan Johnson says um, that he's noticed the changing of sponsors over the years and was curious of why. And what would you recommend to 20 million people trying to make shows to recruit sponsors? Um, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that we've changed sponsors for sure. Um, and a lot of that's gone with... Uh, changing of ownerships uh, a lot of companies have been bought out and so when they've been bought out their marketing strategies typically change and sometimes that doesn't align with them working with us and so uh 
typically they've they've been the one to tell us they don't want to work with us anymore. So that's not that would that very rarely has been our decision. Um, only one time have we not worked with someone, and that was just because we didn't believe in their product. So first and foremost, it, we're not going to work with someone if we don't believe in their product, and we thought we did the one time and we did not. And I'm not going to obviously disclose who that was, but um, we just parted ways and went a different direction just because we weren't going to be out there using something that we didn't believe in. But as far as anyone else not working with us, it's just because we don't align with their new marketing strategies. And so they want to go a different route or, or else they just don't have the budget. And so as everyone knows, um, sponsors do pay our bills. So we, we do have to, uh, showcase them and we use their products to uh to hunt for sure and we're going to be out there um advertising for them as well and as far as a new show goes um approaching a sponsor let your let your content speak for itself that's that's the number one thing i think um people kind of overlook they just think that if they're they have a, a tv show they can go make this sales pitch to whoever um, and it's going to work. I think that if you can find the proper niche in your content, that's going to set you apart from the rest. That's what's going to sell your show. And then on top of that, just network with as many people as you possibly can, because you never know who you're going to meet or where you're going to meet. And we've met some of the most ran or we've met some very important people in some of the most random places um, or just, met someone that knows the right person. Um, maybe not necessarily even at a trade show or anything like that. And we've gotten our content into the right person's hands and it's produced a, a sponsorship. So just let your content speak for itself and make sure you're networking as much as you possibly can. I love that answer. Dude, he answered that tough question with a slickness. I love it. You gotta have a, <laughs> he forgot to mention, you got to have a silver tongue like Sean does. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't used to, you know, back in the day I was a super shy guy. And so I would have probably made it like five minutes into this podcast and I would have been sweating and I'm like, well, you know, world class hunter, new wife. Yeah. No, you got it down. Okay. I want to, I want to ask one question, uh, related to sponsors. And I know almost everyone I know that hunts wonders this. You guys are sponsored by, and you can answer this however you want to answer. You can tell me, I don't want to talk about it or whatever. And it's not a hard question, but everyone that I know that watches shows that are sponsored by this company wonder this Ram. Do you guys get free trucks? (laughs) No, we do not. (laughs) We do not get free trucks. Um, and I think that everyone else's deal is, um, different. Um, so I, I can't speak for everyone else, but no, we do not get free trucks. Um, we uh we're endorsed by them so there is a sponsorship package but no the trucks are not free <laughs> okay free. it'd be pretty sweet if they were though free, yeah free lease for a year <laughs> no <laughs> Im- imagine that they're like hey uh you're expecting a delivery and then you see one of those trucks as like delivering everything like oh my new uh cummins is here yeah, that that would be really cool if like you know a big huge uh I don't even know what the trucks are called that carry the cars or whatever but if one of those rolled up with like three or four Ram trucks. That'd be, that'd be pretty legit. Yeah. <laughs> they just back them off. Like, here you go, boys. See ya. Yeah. I, I, here's I, yours. Here's yours. Right. <laughs> you ordered blue. Here it is. All right. <laughs> we didn't have, we didn't have blue. So we made up for it. We sent you a silver and a red one. Hope that's okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just sell the, just sell the red one. <laughs> yeah. It's going on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to ask. I'm sure everyone that might be a question you get asked a lot, or maybe not at all. I don't know, but uh, no, a little bit. I, I've been asked it a few times, but no, I, I wish that was the case. What would you have done if the answer was yes, Kurt? I would have been pumped. Be, yeah, I guess we would have been happy for you too. I've been nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would be sweet, but unfortunately, it's not the answer. Yeah. Okay, uh, listener Perry Wayne asks, uh, well, he, he wants to hear some early season tips and tactics. Um, and he kind of threw in some examples like hunting near ponds in the morning or the evening or close to bedding, um, public land. Um, so early season, we typically don't even, we don't even hunt mornings. Um, just because 
I haven't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like you can pattern them very well in the mornings, early season. They typically go back to bed um, before daybreak, um, and I feel like you're doing more damage than than good. Then the only time that I really hunt the mornings is during the rut. But early season near water can definitely be uh, very effective, just because it's typically warm and dry. So a water source is definitely good and something that I just started getting into. Uh, I don't know if you guys had seen it on social media or not, but I started putting out these, uh, water tanks that I bought from like tractor supply. I think I got like a 60 gallon tank for, or maybe it was a hundred, it was a hundred gallons. I'm sorry for like 50 or 60 bucks. And I bought three of them. I have seen uh, this. Yeah. And so I've been putting out water and, I actually started doing it last October because I knew the, the rut was coming up and it hadn't rained in like a month. It was super dry. And so I was, I put out these water troughs and, uh, it took the deer a little while to get used to it. Probably took them two or three weeks, but during the rut and like late rut, they were just hammering this water. I didn't, I never shot a deer over it, but, um, you know, I had a trail camera on every single one of them and they, once they get used to it, they just, they treat it like, like it would be a pond or anything. And it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a great way to, or a great tactic yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, keeping them full, I just have this, uh, it's like a 200 gallon tank you could put in the back of your truck and you could, you can back right up to it and, uh, just open the nozzle and fill it right up. Well, there you go. That's the best. Cause during the rut, them bucks get thirsty. That's water. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, they just water. <laughs> <laughs> he had a, uh, another question like, kind of added onto that is, uh, He's curious on like being aggressive while everyone waits for the rut. I, I think that means maybe he's still talking about early season. Like, do you get aggressive early season, or do you wait till more of the rut before you get aggressive? And I would assume mm-hmm. you're not hunting mornings, so you're kind of taking her easy at the beginning. Yeah, and I I focus more on just the right weather conditions early, and I'm if I don't feel like I have a really really good chance at killing the buck, I'm not going to just go hunt to hunt. And I obviously don't, I never hunt if the wind's wrong. Um, and so I, we set up stands all over the place just for different wind types. Um, but for the most, I don't know, most part, we set up our stands for north wind um, for that, you know, that cold front, high pressure system to follow. But um, yeah, the pre-rust probably when I start to get super aggressive. And that's one of my most favorite times to hunt just because, you know, you don't, none of the, None of the does have gone into heat yet, and those bucks are looking for that first doe, and so they're just traveling around, hitting scrapes, and uh, they're pretty vulnerable. But once once that first one goes in, it seems like the most mature deer is probably going to find her first. Yeah, it, that's like going to the bar at like eight o'clock at night on a Saturday night. You know, there's not a lot of people going on there, and you know, you <laughs> stake your claim, and hey, you get into the right place. Next that's right. You're married. Yep. Yeah. oh i gotta all right so you say you don't hunt mornings in october early october what's the first day if you had to say you know add a five-day buffer in there what's the first day you'll hunt a morning Mm, just the the last week of october that's when we start to hunt mornings nice nice you don't do it like uh because your your guys season's earlier but like ours is always october 1st you always got to hunt that morning though right Opening day, yeah. Opening day. Um, September fifteenth is our opener in Missouri. Um, sometimes, yeah, yep, yeah. I'm not saying that like we don't, we never, ever, ever hunt mornings. We do here and there for sure. And heck, I went out with Skyler, one of our guys, like five years ago to try and kill a doe. I remember behind my house actually, um, where my my dad, my parents live next to me, and we have like sixty acres right there, and. We just went out. He wanted to shoot a doe, so I, he came over and I'm like, all right, this is like October sixth, and like the biggest deer that I had pictures of there, he was, I think, right at one fifty, um, came in at like eight in the morning and he killed him. So I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just one of those things that we don't do that often, just because we found that it's a lot tougher. But because like I, ha- I had cameras in that in the field right there. Um, I think I had three different cameras in this 15-acre field, and we were just inside the timber, and I had not had that, that deer on any of those cameras in about a month, and we killed him right there, and he was still never on any of my trail cameras. That's weird, so, man. I just, yeah, I just, I don't think that they move that much. That's kind of what I've found, at least. Right. Well, I started to, in the last, I don't know, 
few years, especially after interviewing so many people from shows and productions and experts, if you will, say the same thing. Don't hunt mornings early October. Don't do it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things I was like, I never held myself to like, don't hunt in the, in October. Like I would on the weekends, especially after working all week. Um, but now I'm like, I, I don't do it until in October and it's worked out great for me. You know, I've killed <laughs> two nice deer in the last two seasons of not hunting hard in the mornings and early season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we appreciate you doing the podcast, man. It means a lot to us. Is there something that we haven't covered that you feel needs a shout out? And, uh, if not, where can people find you? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, for anybody, if there's anybody that's somewhat local to, uh, to the Kansas city area or even surrounding States, we, uh, we hold a premier event every year in June. We just had it. What was it like a week and a half ago, um, at the uptown theater in downtown Kansas city where, It'll hold like twenty five hundred people. People, and we show um, one of our epi- our best episodes for the upcoming season, along with Heartland Waterfowl, which is our sister show. And um, it's a huge event we have each year. We, I think, the past two years we've had a little over a thousand people there, and we wow. just show a sneak to our to our season, and uh, we have tons of giveaways. So next year, if anybody's looking for something to do on a Saturday night, early June which there's typically a lot of stuff going on then. Um, if you're looking for something to do, you guys are, it's more, anyone's more than welcome to come. It's a free event. There's no charge for anything. Um, no way. Cool, man. Yeah. So, so between that and just our, our new season coming out, um, and our new behind the draw stuff, uh, we'll be coming out this fall on carbon TV. I think that's pretty much it. Awesome. Social media. Uh, yeah, just, Heartland Bowhunter on Facebook and then Heartland Bowhunter on Instagram. Uh, we put content on there a couple times a day, always new stuff. So check us out. Awesome. Awesome. Stick around uh, on the phone real quick, Sean. See if you got anything to add. Not a thing. Not a thing. All right. Well, I got to thank you, Sean, so much. Thanks, Carbon TV, for everything you do. Free content online. Anyone can go on and watch it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Uh, CarbonTV.com. Also, check out WorkingClassBowhunter.com. Got new shirts, new hats. A new shirt design coming. We haven't posted anything online about it yet, but it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, just check out workingclassbowhunter.com. And thanks for listening, everyone. We love you. And you know what to do. Go shoot your bow. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.